hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, <laughs> super intelligent, and 1964 World's Fair loving wife and co-host, <laughs> Michelle. Hi, everybody. I'm glad you put that loving, you know, I'm histor- historian buff. That's right. I'm not saying that you were there or no. anything in regards to that. I'm just saying you love the 1964 World's Fair. And we'll talk about why that's important coming up here in a second. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, Hyperion Adventures podcast.com. I almost forgot it in a moment of it. How could that happen? And while you're there, please don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. You will love it if you do. Tom puts a lot of great articles or information together for you. You get your firsthand knowledge before anybody else of new things coming up. And it's just our way of, you know, thanking you for being a Hyperion adventurer and sharing some things with you. Yeah, uh, that's exactly why we do it is just to kind of be more in touch with some of our more hardcore listeners, some of our bigger Hyperion adventurers, just like you. Uh, You sign up for the newsletter. We get the information out to you as soon as possible. And we did drop something on you. You were the first to find out this week about our brand new logo that we put together and our brand new Spreadshirt shop where you can get that logo on all sorts of merchandise, t-shirts, hats, uh, canvas bags, all sorts of different things. If you want to share your love for our show, well, hopefully you love your show, our show, you're listening to it right now. <laughs> uh, and you can share that out there. So there's a there's a way to find that and get kind of that stuff. And it's just kind of interesting. It is. It's great. And if they didn't get the newsletter and they're interested, how can they find out about this? Well, they can also find out about it through social media. We shared it later in the week after you got the debut of it. For those of you who subscribe to the newsletter, we shared it later on the week in social media. And you can always find us there on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, you can also always email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Right. And we love hearing from folks. Uh, if you ever have a topic you'd like us to explore or some feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We would definitely love to hear from you in any way you want to contact us. By the way, going back to the newsletter for just a second, we have something else coming out this week that's going to be of interest to you. Uh, if you enjoy the show, we have a special episode coming up within a few weeks here and we're going to want your input. Well, if you can subscribe to the newsletter, you'll be the first one to find out about that. Yeah, you'll be in the know yes and we always get we always hit you guys up first so uh please subscribe when you get the chance as for today's show we have lots of stuff for you including amazing news about our favorite musical in disney plus <laughs> i know it also shanghai disneyland reopens and we learn a little bit more about the disney springs reopening yeah so a lot of exciting news lots of exciting news but let's get to our main topic of the week as we mentioned in the opening of the show uh we love the 1964 world's fair michelle loves it she's done a lot of research on it (laughs) the reason why she did so much research on it is because we're going to take a quick look back at the 1964 world's fair and disney's involvement with it
a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away Man has a dream and that's the start He follows his dream with mind and heart When it becomes a reality It's a dream come true for you and me So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away well, that's right. It is a great, big, beautiful yeah. tomorrow. We're all hoping that right now, I know. But uh, it definitely was in 1964 when uh, Disney got involved with the uh, World's Fair that took place in New right. York. And uh, really, it, it was a turning point to, for what happened with Disney. or it, it, At least it was a, a benchmark time uh, for the Disney company. I think you'd agree with that, Michelle. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, kind of being a bit of a Disney history geek buff. Uh, really enjoyed the opportunity to talk about this. And uh, it's also hopefully in preparation for those of you who are going to be able to watch on Disney Plus soon, The Wonderful World of Color, where Disney is actually talking about the, the New York World's Fair. So we wanted to give you some background history so really have even a little bit more in your back pocket when you watch that episode right so that's coming out on may 22nd and that's part of the reason why we we're doing the show is to kind of give you a glimpse into it before that episode comes out it's called disneyland goes to the world's fair i believe, I believe or 1964 world's like fair yeah. a wonderful world of color episode it should be fascinating we're excited to check it out once it hits disney plus on the 22nd but uh michelle's done some amazing research <laughs> into the 1964 world's fair i looked into it a little bit but michelle really delved into it deeply yeah. and so she's going to handle the segment meanwhile i'm going to put my feet up and just kind of relax <laughs> and listen to michelle's information because i'm sure you're going to find it interesting uh, and i know hopefully. i'm going to find it interesting oh hopefully i hope so and thanks sweetie sure so let's get to it here's Michelle looking back at the Disney and the 1964 World's Fair. Right. So um, just, you know, real brief overview. The uh, 1964, it's actually 64-65 New York World's Fair um, had 140 pavilions, 110 restaurants and uh, represented by 80 nations. And uh, I'm not going to be going through like a lot of details like this, but I do think it's good to just kind of have that basis. Um, a reference on how big this thing was. Right, right, exactly. And what was really interesting and kind of you mentioned something uh, with the reference to Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. Um, the theme for this 64 World's Fair, uh, I think, is still relevant today. It was peace through understanding. We need more of that, for I sure. I know, right? And it was devoted to man on a shrinking globe in an expanding universe. So, again... Still um, appropriate, yeah. So appropriate. Many, many, many decades later... Or Anyway, several decades later. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Well, many, many decades yeah. later. I mean, it's been more than 50 years since then. So Right, right. That's true. So, you know, as I said, I, I am kind of a Disney histrophile, and I'm trying to condense this so it's not huge. It almost was, um, but I, I tried to edit, so... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to leave a little bit, in the ed- you know, hopefully post-production that you can feel free to oh, edit. Oh, boy. She's been so excited all week to talk about this subject. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing all the stuff that she's got in there. And I wonder what she edited out, but it'll be interesting to so, hear all of it for sure. Thank you. So let's start about, first of all, Walt's involvement with the World Fair, like the how and the why. Um, you know, it was uh, one of Walt's first going back in history. Maybe we should play some music. Yeah. No, I just want you to go. That sounds better. We're starting to need to edit right away from the opening gate. Edit, edit. That's Anyways, we need to first look back at Walt himself and his earliest experiences with World's Fair and something of a World's Fair. And that was the Golden Gate International Exposition in San Francisco in 1939. So that was uh, an exposition that was celebrating the completion of the San Franciscan San Francisco, Oakland Bay Bridge, and the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what was important here is how Walt discovered his love of miniatures. Oh, okay. So there was an artist, uh, Narcissa Thorne, who had some displays there, and that really caught caught Walt's eye and if you've ever seen footage of things with the Imagineerings and everything they have a lot of um, of these miniature models mm. of what it is and you can tell Walt loves it and this was kind of like his first exposure to that that world and and how it's you know kind of developed from there yeah it makes sense I mean definitely I mean, virtually every attraction you see built during that time there would be especially like on the wonderful world of color or whatever right. there's Walt standing right in front of a miniature uh ep- of it you know? I know I that's, uh, that's really cool yeah They're so great you yeah. know so um so obviously with his success with television film the parks you know he became the go-to person for companies who wanted to have uh, somebody develop their attraction for the World's Fair. So that would just kind of make sense. But what was really interesting is how Walt had the perceptive insight to say, hey, we can utilize this opportunity to develop some really, you know, elaborate type of attractions at somebody else's dime. Yeah. You know, they really, it was like, (laughs) it was genius. It was brilliant. You know, it's like, look, we can do this for this world's fair, uh, but we can also bring it back to our park. And, um, yeah, we don't have to pay a cent for it, you know, and we can, you know, delve into some things we've been thinking about. Some things I've always wanted to do, but they just haven't had the money to spend on it. Right. So, well, let's let these other companies flip the bill. Exactly. And and he was actually also, and I'm sure probably Roy had a lot to do with in terms of the developing of the financial aspects of it, to, but to make it attractive that these companies were also helping put the bill to actually transport those attractions back over to the West Coast. The other thing that Walt really was interested in this was he already had an idea of what was later called the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. And Heard which, of that. Yes, <laughs> which we all know turned into Walt Disney World. Um, but he really wanted to, you know, dip his toe into the waters of the East Coast to see if, you know, he could also have, uh, whether you call it a following or just interest in his brand there on the West Coast. So this kind of had a, a dual purpose for him that really was such an opportunity. Yeah. 
Uh, really, uh, yeah, I mean, how could you not take advantage of that? I mean, uh, being asked by the person who kind of developed the, the, the World's Fair was leading the, the building of the World's Fair, like, hey, we'd like you to come in. And then all these companies throwing money at him, right. uh, you know, they're like, hey, yeah, I want you, Walt, you're, you're, the, the things you're doing over at Disneyland are amazing. I want you involved in my, our exactly. attraction, our exhibit here at the World's Fair. So yeah, definitely had to jump on that. Right, right. And there's a lot of details that uh, we won't go into into, but, you know, of how these companies approached them when they did, it was, you know, obviously some of these things take a long time to plan. They were years in the making. Um, but anyway, except for one, that's right. That's right. One was, uh, kind of last minute. Yeah. 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 And it's amazing. So, um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, what we see is these attractions still have a component in the parks today. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, really, like you said at the beginning, honey, it's, it was, it, it really was a pivotal part in the parks. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you'll get in th- discussing this, but, uh, and part of the reason that, you know, I mean, you may be tuning into this episode with the 64 World's Fair. Why do I care? One, most of these attractions either still exist within the Disney right. parks or portions of it or technology that was developed by it uh, definitely still uh, involved is involved within the Disney parks. You see it everywhere and you may right. not even know it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because here, you must be looking at my notes because mm. it says, let's talk about technology that mm. came out of this venture. Yes. <laughs> so there were really two main. Um, one was audio animatronics mm-hmm. in a big way. And the second one was transporting people. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk first about audio animatronics and then we'll get into the people moving hint hint technology a bit later i know right so but you know like before the world's fair um there was the walt disney enchanted tiki room attraction which had the early audio animatronics but they were pretty limited to those uh birds and flowers yeah and the tiki that uh, you know they kind of just move their mouth right basically. right little movement here and there and, yeah. yeah but in the 1964 episode of uh, the disney's wonderful world of color what he explained is that disneyland gave us a new art and a new type of artist one that works with a slide rule and blowtorch instead of a pencil and brush hmm. Just as we have learned to make our animated cartoons talk, we have found we had to find a way to make our attraction figures talk too. We created a new field of animation. Mm, interesting. That's right. Good point. Exactly. You know, as we talked about on some of our other episodes, whether we're talking about the new types of animations we see in Star Wars and, you know, other forms of animation, it's interesting how Walt really saw this as an art form. Mm-hmm. You know, so agreed. Yeah, uh, it is a good point. I never really thought about it, but it it truly is. It really is. Yeah. So, kind of getting into the spirit of this, we did put out there on social media, and like you said on uh, the newsletter, you know, asking for you all to tell us what your audio animatronic figure favorites are from Disneyland Resort, from the Disney Park. So, let's hear from what our our friends in the social media world said. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, return on the social media aspect of this. Uh, So many people chimed in because they do have a a favorite audio animatronic character within the parks. Uh, I'll I'll start here with with someone from Twitter. Uh, Mr. And I'm sorry if I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly. I'm going to do it both ways just to get it right. Mr. Strock, Mr. Strotch. I'm not sure, but you can find him on Twitter at Mr. Strock. 
Mr. Strauch, S-T-R-A-U-C-H-2, I-I. And he said, uh, America sings, pop goes the weasel. He showed up everywhere and had the best (laughs) laugh. I'm so glad that someone brought up America sings because that was one of my favorites. You know, they replaced the Carousel of Progress within Disneyland when the Carousel of Progress uh, moved over to the Walt Disney World Resort. Kind of the same concept. Uh, You would be in a theater that would rotate around these different scenes uh, of of Americana where these characters would sing these Americana songs. Uh, Now you may see some of these characters throughout the parks, mostly at Splash Mountain, but also in a different version of them. You can see them on Star Tours as well uh, and some other places also. But uh, I'm just glad America's Singers came up. (laughs) Also from, uh, this is from Instagram, The Weekly Mouse, you can find on Instagram at The Weekly Mouse, said, I love Mr. Lincoln, but I think my fave animatronic has to be Big Al. What a classic. (laughs) Hey, Country Bears. Love that. Uh, Tony, the Disney dad, hit us up on Twitter. You can find he's from the Disney Discussions podcast. Was right. on the show recently. Uh, you can find him at Disney underscore Discuss. He said Rover from Carousel of Progress. He's loyal, behaves, and has an amazingly long <laughs> lifespan. Perfect, Tony. Right. Uh, thank you very much. I think you have a few over there. Yeah, as well. certainly do. So from Keenan at Part of Our World podcast wrote, uh, "I'm partial to C3PO on Star Tours. Why? Well." It's a Star Wars icon. He's funny. And the ride is both a favorite of my childhood and adulthood. Yeah, I love C3PO. Yeah, Star Wars yeah. Uh, Trent and Jenny are friends that you can hear on Disney DNA Podcast and find them on Twitter at Disney DNA Pod. They put, before innovations, Communicore was Future World's go-to spot for them. I remember talking on the telephone and playing trivia games with SMRT1. Smart one. Fun childhood memories. Is it smart one or smart T one? I guess it would be smart one. Yeah. But smart T. I don't know. I I never experienced it because I wasn't going to Walt Disney World during that time. But interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've seen. I guess I've always thought of it as SMRT. I didn't really try to put a word to it. Yeah. I I have no idea. That's I was just I was just wondering what it was. (laughs) Good question. I mean, I guess you can look at it. And and, and, I mean, unless somebody else out there knows the name of it. And please let us know. Uh, I I would just you can look at it however you want and interpret it how you like. Right. No, makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Justin and Samantha Monorail from Monday Morning Monorail, and you can find them on Twitter also at Morning Monorail. Justin said, I'm going to the past, which is totally appropriate because my favorite animatronics was the Robin Williams voiced timekeeper. Oh, yeah. so again, another attraction I didn't experience, but I'm sure you did. I did. I did. Uh, and, and I loved it too. Uh, Sam wrote, I really like Daisy from Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. She's hmm. so cute. So ah. kind of a new. Uh, brand new. Brand new. About as new as you can get. Yes. I'm looking forward to one, the chance when we get to finally experience I Mickey know and it, Runaway right? Railway for sure. So, so great cool. one. Um, Will from Young Adventures. And there he's, well, he and his wife, Jalesa, can be found on Twitter at young underscore family YT. The Yeti was amazing. The Yeti, the disco Yeti now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently, I, again, I, I never got to experience uh, Expedition Everest with the Yeti when it worked. Right. I heard, I've, I've heard a lot of people say it was really cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't either, but yes, same thing. Um, and then Scott Wood on Instagram at SD Woody. 
Rex from Star Tours. Ah, yes. Captain Rex, now DJ Rex. Love yes, Rex. Yes. Now, this next one, I'm going to have to um, look into a little bit of copyright infringement possibly on this one. <laughs> really? Just kidding, guys. <laughs> uh, Hyperion Review, a Disney podcast, hit us up on Twitter. You can find them at Hyperion Review. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Seriously. Uh, John said, call me crazy, but the Stitch animatronic was amazing. I would love to see them incorporate that into something not Stitch, Stitch's Great Escape <laughs> and also not force theming into an existing ride. Uh, Doug Stevenson hit us up on Facebook, said, tomorrow yes. uh, is from Interventions right. uh, in Disneyland in the past. Uh, the Hatbox Ghost, or Hattie, as we like to affectionately call him from the Haunted Mansion <laughs> yes. for the present. Yes, if you've not been to the Disneyland version of uh, the Haunted Mansion, they have the Hatbox Ghost, oh, which, which is, is awesome. a spectacular yes. uh, animatronic. Uh, Adam from the Mouse and More podcast, he this up on Twitter. You can find him at the Mouse and More. Oh, this is a good question. I like the Egyptian Pharaoh in Spaceship mm-hmm. Earth. The Seven Dwarfs in Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and John Progress and All the Country Bears. <laughs> yes. Finally, we wrap it up with Nate and Serena, the DVC oh. duo. They emailed us. They, they are subscribers to the newsletter. And yep. They emailed us. They said, favorite audio animatronic. Hmm. So many great options. Classic has to be the Tiki Birds or all the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean or, oh wait, Carousel Progress. <laughs> then there's also Small World. We definitely can't forget Lincoln or the Three Caballeros. <laughs> they are in true Hyperion tradition here. Uh, modern, this is uh, easier. The Yeti when it worked. <laughs> or maybe Mr. Potato Head. Have you seen the ear trick? Wait, definitely the sh- uh, the uh, Shaman in the Nobby River Journey. Oh, Oh, no, wait. What about Rocket on Mission Breakout? Okay, it's official. We can't make up our minds. Uh, Can we get an A, B, C, D and the rest of the alphabet? (laughs) Of course. This is the Hyperion Adventures podcast. That's how it happens. And they go on to say, great topic, Tom and Michelle. Thank you, Nate and Serena. That's awesome. That is perfect for the Hyperion Adventures podcast. (laughs) We never just settle on five or whatever the case may be. Or one, especially. Forget it. So, uh, good job. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So, So. uh, back to more of your coverage of the 1964 World's Fair. Right. So, let's really get into the meat of it what are those attractions there mm-hmm. were four of them uh they were called exhibits actually mm-hmm. um so we'll start with one that we've you know heard people mention which was the carousel theater of progress uh that was developed with the assistance of ge and it told the story of man's progress and the rise of i'm putting fingers in the air push button living yes push button living (laughs) so initially disney was uh working with ge in developing plans for disneyland park to have an actual area called edison square um and then i did look up some old maps in the maps book that came out and it was listed there oh really right and that's that's what i thought i had read that um there was that saying like coming attraction that's how close it was huh right but uh actually in 1959 ge asked walt to instead devote his time and effort to develop their pavilion for the world's fair so um now the theme song was written by uh, who else the sherman brothers um and after it was completed walt asked the duo to come to the sound stage but dressed in suits this, for this time. The Sherman Brothers dressed in suits? I what? know, I know. So, uh, But to their surprise, he had planned a filming 
uh, with them to help excite GE executives about the plans for the traction. So let's hear that filming now. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's just a dream away. Man has a dream and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. And when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. Well, it sounds pretty good. In fact, that's just the right spirit. Our songwriters, Dick and Bob Sherman of the Walt Disney Studio. The Sherman brothers have written many of the wonderful songs for motion pictures and television shows. And I think this song, written especially for you, captures the spirit of the General Electric Pavilion at the New York World's Fair. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Walt. Say Thanks, goodbye Walt. to the folks. Bye-bye. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. <laughs> As I said, that's the spirit. Well, a beautiful tomorrow, just a dream away. That says we're going places. There's progress ahead. And that's just the mood we want for the whole pavilion. Here, for example, is a, a scale model of the General Electric Carousel Theater. A theater in which the audience itself moves in their seats around the stages. The actors, well, they're not real people, but they are a talented and interesting cast. We call them audio-animatronic figures, and they talk and act like human beings. The Carousel Theater will present a warm and entertaining portrayal of how life has changed through electrical energy. The same kind of exciting and unique entertainment is what we're planning for every area of the General Electric Pavilion. So, see you at the fair, and remember, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away so that really shows how Walt, you know, such a good salesman, you know, presenting to the executives that, hey, here's what we're putting together for you. You're going to love it. And here's why. Yeah. It was perfect. It right. totally made sense. And he did that all the way through when he did the Disneyland series, selling the Disneyland Park exactly. to everybody as a television show, which is just basically a, a series of ads for the park <laughs> that was coming up. Uh, he's just, he's so brilliant. Right, right. Really, really so. True, true, true. Okay, so a um, couple of little things that you might want to know about the World's Fair version is, so we all, not everybody, but those of you who have, have, been on the Carousel of Progress, you, you, you kind of know what that show is about and how that's the theater in the round. But in the World's Fair version, at the end of it, uh, the guests were then uh, proceeded to an upper level of the pr- pavilion to view Progress City. And that housed a 160-foot model scale for Walt's original concept of Epcot. Any idea where you can find that model today? Ooh, ooh I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Where, sweetie? I believe that's on the uh, TTA People Mover. That's right. Yes, <laughs> as you're going through, you can still see that model today. Right. So, you know, as you can see, I mean, 
yes, we have the attraction still, but even something that was in the post-show area has still been brought mm-hmm. back to the park. So. Again, Walt loves miniatures. Yes, uh, right. Miniatures there. <laughs> so uh, after the World's Fair, it ran at uh, the Carousel of Progress ran at Disneyland Park uh, from 1967 to 73. And then it moved over to the East Coast at the Magic Kingdom Park in 1975. And it's the only attraction at Walt Disney World that Walt actually ever rode. Right. So, and at least the only version of that. Right, right. And that he is, it's now known as the Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to pay homage to that because, again, this was from 1964. You know, we're in 2020. It is still an attraction that, you know, they have running and. People love it. Yeah, uh, still one of my favorites to stop by every time we go to the Magic Kingdom. One, because just it's a nice break in the middle of the day. You right. can sit there for about 20 minutes and sit down and get air conditioning and enjoy it. But it one, it, you know, it's also an interesting area where... Uh, you know, Walt developed this attraction. And so it's good to go back right. for the memory of it. I think most of it still stands up, up until that final scene, which I think could be <laughs> using a little bit of updating. But for the most part, I love it just as it right. is. Even if they never update that final scene, I don't care. I still love it. I, I still enjoy it. I, I laugh at it. Uh, I sing this, sing along with it. It's a, it's a great time always to, you have to take that in when you're at the Magic Kingdom, right. in my opinion. Personally. Right, absolutely. I mean, hey, we go to museums to see some things, you know, in appreciate how something developed from the past and that's kind of the same Mm -hmm. as this you know so let's move on to exhibit two which was ford's magic skyway now the main building was an enormous rotunda um you know round like a wheel (laughs) I get it. Right, right. Brilliant. Uh, It stood 22 stories high and it was often coined the Wonder Rotunda. (laughs) The Wonder Rotunda. Wow. (laughs) I know. That's like one you'd make up. I know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So um, the guests first entered the pavilion and an area called the International Gardens Area. And it was furnished with bucket seat lounge chairs. Nice. Yeah. Bringing in the Ford theming. All the way through. Right. Um, the other interesting thing that I found in my research was it housed miniature displays. And again, we've talked about how Walt loved miniatures and, and found them first at a fair. Um, it has miniature villages representing 11 countries. Sound familiar? A mm, little bit. Yeah. I'm not saying that it was Epcot on display because I don't think it was, but it is just an interesting coincidence. Right. Right. It's the same amount. Yeah. So the music that played inside this area was actually repurposed songs from various Disney projects, such as the Absent Minded Professor, Ooh. The Jungle Book, Zorro, and Disneyland TV show called Highway Magic USA. Mm. And we have you know, the CD <laughs> that has That's how much music. Michelle enjoys this, is that <laughs> she has the CD to listen to the music from the 1964 right. World's Fair. Right. And it really is. It's just, you know, it's fun music just to have. If you're doing a Disney puzzle, it's great music to yeah. have on. And our son Scott actually loves it. Right. He'll have you just put it on and you guys just kind of r- relax right. and listen right. to the Hang music. Out. He enjoys yeah. it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, But getting back to the actual exhibit, the rotunda was circled by two large tubes that were called the Magic Skyway, which is the actual ride. Um, So guests were loaded into, get this, 
actual Ford cars. <laughs> wow. And they were uh, convertibles, even, right? <laughs> yes. Nice. So the engines and the transmissions were removed, but it was actual cars. And it took the riders on a trip back in time with the world of the dinosaurs, uh, populated by enormous audio animatronic figures through the beginning of the space age. Yeah. So the, some other interesting little th- tidbits about this. The cars were fitted with six-track tape players, and that was what was used to play the narration through the car's radio speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're going to be in a Ford, you might as well have, it be the, have the Ford experience, right? Right. right. So uh, in the 1964 version of this attraction, uh, they did have a, a narrator, Dick Wesson, but at the request of Henry Ford II, he asked that Walt did the narration for the 1965 version. So let's hear that now. Ladies and gentlemen, may we have your attention. For your personal safety, please remain seated at all times. Keep your hands and arms inside the car and no smoking, please. Your car radio is preset for channel and volume and requires no further adjustment. And now your host, Henry Ford II. Welcome aboard Ford Motor Company's Magic Skyway, an adventure created by the incomparable Walt Disney. A voyage through time and space, from a dark and distant yesterday to a bright and promising tomorrow. I hope you will all have an entertaining trip. And now, here to tell you about your journey is Walt Disney. Thank you, Mr. Ford, and hello, friends. I'll be riding along to point out some of the things you're going to see from your front row seat in Mr. Ford's automobiles. Thanks to some old-fashioned magic we call imagination, this Ford Motor Company car will be your time machine for your journey, carrying you far back in time to the dawn of life on land and transporting you far out into the future. But that's getting far ahead of our story. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. Pretty cool. I think that was a great decision to have right. Walt actually become the narrator for the attraction. Yeah, and he actually he does. He narrates the entire or narrated the entire attraction right. at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah, and so uh, you know, in preparation of obviously developing this exhibit, Walt and uh, one of his Imagineers, John Hench, visited the Ford plant, and that's where they started having a fascination of the possibilities of how the plant used roller systems to convey car parts. Mm. So Walt actually started envisioning a more efficient way to, and fingers quotes in the air again, move people Mm. with the rolling wheels embedded into a track to smoothly propel vehicles forward. Mm. I know. It's interesting. I know. We're getting into something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They they have a hint (laughs) of where that also may be found within the Disney parks. Right. So uh, throughout its run as an attraction, Imagineers were able to isolate some deficiencies in what they called their young people mover system, uh, which, you know, had like low ride capacity and the inability of vehicles to independently rotate. But they they did address these concerns and they pioneered the Omnimover ride system, which is famously used at Haunted Mansion mm. in the Disney Parks attractions. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Right. So uh, in addition to the transportation system elements that are continuing now in the parks, 
some of the dioramas of like the dinosaur scenes were later relocated to, do you know where? Disneyland. That's right. Mm -hmm. They're on part of the Walt Disney's uh, railway, railroad. Exactly. So you can, again, part of this, uh, well, one, the transportation system, but also actual parts of that exhibit still exist in the parks today. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're on the railroad, if you're uh, traveling between the Tomorrowland Station and the Main Street USA Station, uh, you'll go through that. You'll see a diorama of the Grand Canyon, and you'll go see and you'll see the primeval world, right. is what they call it. And those are the dinosaurs, the scenes from the uh, Magic Skyway. Right. So pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, a non-Disney factoid about this is this is where the Ford Mustang was introduced. It was at the World's Fair and it was on display at the pavilion. Nice. I know, right? Pretty iconic car to be <laughs> exactly. displayed for the first ever time uh, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yes. And anybody who knows us knows that we love Ford Mustangs. It's kind of like on our bucket list. Yeah, to, someday. Yeah. Someday when we can actually afford one. <laughs> Because <laughs> it has to be a convertible. Yeah. So if you guys want to pay, you know, buy one of your <laughs> spreadshirt shops, we're on our way to our Ford Mustang. Each shirt you buy helps us get a Mustang. Oh my gosh. All right. So, um, any other thoughts on the that attraction? Otherwise, we'll go on to the next. I just think it's interesting that it, you know it basically transformed into, uh, of course, uh, a lot of the technology. You said the haunted mansion, the people mover, obviously, as you were mentioning, the moving of right. people as well. Um, I like that you can still see portions of it all, even though the attraction didn't uh, exist after the World's Fair as its true form. Right. Um, it still was. It, it was fascinating, and I'm glad that you know you can still see some of that technology today right? when you go visit the parks. I know. It's mm-hmm. timeless, timeless. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, all right. The third one that we're going to talk about is Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And that was Walt Disney's personal tribute to the 16th president. So, like, Which he, was, he was a huge fan. He of. was his, a huge his fan. His favorite president. Yeah. Right. I'm going to get into a little bit about that, but let's hear a little bit about Mr. Lincoln in Walt's words. Ever since I was a small boy in Illinois, I've had a great personal admiration for Abraham Lincoln. So when we decided to recreate some of the great moments in Mr. Lincoln's life for the World's Fair, we directed all our energies to that task. We wanted to bring to the people of today the inspiring words of the man who held this nation together during its moment of greatest crisis, the Civil War. During our exhaustive research into Lincoln's life, we studied his mannerisms, his gestures, and even his voice characteristics to create a faithful likeness of this honored man. The final result is so lifelike that you might find it hard to believe. So when you visit the fair, be sure and stop by the state of Illinois Pavilion and spend a few moments with this great man. Right. So uh, Walt's admiration for Lincoln was even started as a young boy. In fact, he was he performed the Gettysburg Address in full Lincoln costume <laughs> for his class. And I guess it was so beloved that other years later, the teachers were asking him to come do the presentation in their classroom. So Always a showman. I know, right? Um, now, long before the World's Fair, Walt had an idea for Disneyland Hall of Presidents attraction, which uh, he was thinking to call One Nation Under God. Um, he knew he wasn't going to be able to complete that large of a, of a show in time for the World's Fair. So that's why he just devoted it to Lincoln only. But that was his original idea for it. 
So um, Walt casted actor Royal Dono, who played Lincoln on TV, and actually, I guess, had a lot of similar features in terms of his height, etc. Um, and then writer-director director James Alger. Alger? Alger? Either one. <laughs> just, just we'll call him Jimmy. Jimmy. I like it. Jimmy! Uh, was brought in to direct the actor's reading of Lincoln's words. And it's really interesting to see how... Uh, I don't want to necessarily, I don't think the word intense, that sounds too intense, the word intense, but really how detailed he was in trying to get the exact correct sound from the actor's voice. Let us strive to deserve, as far as mortals may, the continued care of divine providence, trusting that in future national emergencies, he will not fail to provide us the instruments of safety and security. Neither let us be slandered from our duty by false accusations against us, nor frightened from it by the menaces of destruction to the government, nor of dungeons to ourselves. Let us have faith that right makes might. And in that faith, let us to the end dare to do our duty as we understand it. Well, night perfect. Just the last faith paragraph in Neither let us be slandered from our duty by false accusations against us, nor frightened from it by the menaces of destruction to the government, nor of dungeons to ourselves. Let us have faith that right makes might, and in that faith, let us to the end dare to do our duty as we understand it. I like that. So, yeah. He's a taskmaster. He is. He is. I mean, that much attention to detail. I mean, obviously, there was, you know, such passion in this, uh, that, and that's why it's still successful. And again, Mm -hmm. another attraction that, you know, still exists in the parks. Obviously, there's been some updates, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But, you know, um, Great Moments with Lincoln is still able to be observed uh, at Disneyland. Most days at Disneyland, it still exists. Uh, it's uh, it, And it's actually something, you know, even though it gets passed by a lot of times, it's right there in the middle of uh, Main Street, USA. Right. Uh, it gets passed by sometimes. I highly recommend somebody um, take a, take a second and, you know, or a few minutes and go in there and check it out because it is history and right. it is, uh, it's the history of Disney, not just history of our country. So exactly. it's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, so... All right. Well, now we're going to get down to the last attraction or last exhibit that Walt was involved with the World's Fair. And that is our beloved It's a Small World, which was sponsored by PepsiCo for UNICEF. The entire attraction was designed, constructed and installed within just nine months. Yeah, they, uh, PepsiCo brought Walt on like 11 months right? out from it <laughs> to like, hey, you know, we, we really want to do our own exhibit for UNICEF. Uh, can you come along with us? We'd love you to do it. And Walt was like, 11 months out. Really? I'm going to put together a whole attraction. Built it in nine months. It, yeah. It, isn't that so phenomenal? Yeah. And, and, and how much it is still part of the legacy that yeah. exists in, in every theme park that Disney has. So, um, Mary Blair obviously was the uh, lead artist designer in it. And the songs, again, were written by the legendary Sherman Brothers. Uh, and from, from there, they said it was intended to be a prayer of peace. 
which certainly follows the World's Fair theme mm-hmm. beautifully. Makes sense. So, um, honey, I think you have some sound bites for this part, right? The New York World's Fair, a giant of fairs, attracting millions of visitors who come here to enjoy and be a part of an exciting international atmosphere. At this fair, hundreds of nations exhibit their ways and wonders of life, helping to bring about a better world of understanding. to this universal theme is Pepsi-Cola. At this giant affairs, they wanted to create a salute to UNICEF and the children of the world. And to create it, they went to the one man who was universally known in the world of entertainment, Walt Disney. The result, Walt Disney's It's a Small World is an international kaleidoscope and tribute to the enchanting world of childhood. And here to tell you about this ride is Walt Disney. Our exhibit called It's a Small World is a salute to the United Nations Children's Fund, a worldwide organization that is working for a better tomorrow by helping the children of today. Our musical fantasy features the songs and dances of youngsters from more than 100 nations, each singing in his own native language. So, um... That's a great explanation in Walt's own words of, and the narrator that he had of what this ride was being created for, the theming, and what its purpose was. And you can see a recurrent theme with Walt about everything is making a better tomorrow, and it, it definitely you know resides in this attraction. Yeah, so when this attraction was first uh, you know, thought up, Originally, Walt thought that maybe we'll use the uh, the national anthems sung right. by the children for all the different countries around the world. The problem with that is that as they started blending together, right. like all these national anthems are just all over, literally all, all over, over the, the map. map. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it just had this cacophony of sound, you know, throughout. You know, so they're like, okay, maybe we need to find something different. He enlisted the Sherman Brothers. And they decided we need to work on something that's kind of can be played in the round, right. essentially. So, you know, like row, row, row your boat. You know, you start it and in the midway, someone picks it up right. and it's going. Uh, and so they decided what they could do with It's a Small World. You know, many people will complain about, oh, gosh, I go to It's a Small World and it's stuck in my head right. uh, all day long. Well, that's part of that is because of the way they had to design this attraction uh, to make it kind of flow throughout it right. through the children of the world. So uh, the Sherman brothers uh, designed the song in that way. I've also heard it described as, uh, you know, when you think about uh, it's a small world as think about it as a child taking all their little dolls and putting right. them out on display. Like think about it as what a child would put True. out, um, and, you know, for if you were to go through a tour. And we actually we've seen some of this uh, during this time of people putting things on YouTube and various social media outlets right. or whatever, where they're doing their own kind of ride throughs right. at home uh, using what point. they have around the house. That's kind of what the thought was behind It's a Small World was, was that was an early 
version of the yes. kid, of kids putting kids' dolls out throughout the house, and you would ride through what it would look like to go through right. uh, the entire globe. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but that is so true. You know, and um, you know, from a personal perspective of this this was the first ride i ever went on in a disney park so you know and i've shared that before so it it is something near and dear to me um you know and i know the song can get stuck in your head and everything but uh again uh such an enormous uh, feat to have that done in less than a year from the beginning of the concept till the execution of it and that it is still such an iconic uh attraction for Disney World. It's just amazing how it has handled and test the, the test of time. Right. I mean, I know that there are many of you who just have no interest on in going on small, it's a small world, right. you know, whatever, but it is a part of history. It is, there's this, such a great thought behind it, you know, that it's still something that we will, will go on. It just is, it's something that's like a must do for right. us. And it's you know, our son Scott's favorite right. attraction. So we <laughs> definitely have to go on it whenever we're with him. Right. But, um, I, I think that some of the, if you, if you look back at the history of it and some of the thought process behind it maybe you I mean I know the song gets stuck in your head and that's tough but you may look at it in a little bit of a different way and we've been fortunate like um you know and I know I think we did share this on a previous episode how not too long ago we were on that ride and there was a mom and her son and I think he was probably about maybe three or four years old and it was his first time through and the joy that he experienced going through that ride that you could hear in his voice as he pointed out different things to his mom and how excited he was, you know, you know, just kept hearing, look, look, you know, (laughs) look at that mommy, look at this. Yeah. I wish uh, you could like every time you go on it, find a child that has never experienced it before. A young child, very young child that has never experienced it before, especially one who's as vocal as this one was because it really, it, it just brought smiles to our faces oh my god yes because it, it, it was just the joy like right. you said, the joy that he shared was it was wonderful right and it was memorable obviously and you know when i go through that ride i sometimes think back at that kid saying that he was you know sitting behind us but just remembering his excitement as he was going through that so you know it, it, again a tribute to that attraction and and that it does continue to bring joy to children you know every day no question. Um, and I, I agree with it. It brings joy to us. I know that some people, like I said, uh, it's not their favorite attraction, right. but it brings joy to us every time we go on it, for sure. Absol- absolutely. So I'm going to get down to here now to our final segment, uh, which are fun facts. Ooh, I always love fun facts. I love <laughs> Michelle's fun facts. Always the best fun facts. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But anyways, I just got a couple of them. So uh, there was a phrase that was very popular during the World's Fair. It was called me. Meet me at the Tower of the Four Winds. Hmm. And it was uh, referencing the Tower of the Four Winds that was part of the Small World exhibit. Oh, yeah. I've seen pictures of that. Right? I I believe it was in Disneyland for a while, actually. Yeah, I believe so. So it was a kinetic sculpture that was created by um, Wed Imagineer Raleigh Cromp. I really can't talk today. I mean, it's okay. I can't talk any episode. <laughs> Raleigh Crump. Um, and it served as what Walt deemed as a weenie to draw guests to the areas. Now, I know the company does not really um, embrace that term, but that is what um, Walt did use when he was describing processes of like using tall structures in the distance to help draw the flow of the crowd 
towards it and then be surprised uh, when they arrive there. And that's like the castles. I don't so, know if we can use that term. It's a family-friendly <laughs> podcast. I, I don't know. know. But anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> you think of hot dogs. Yeah, I know. I'm There's just, a real tra- I, treat when you get to bite into a hot dog. I know. Anyways, I'm just going through facts here. but blushing over. Yes. Fun fact. So, yeah, as I mentioned, obviously the company does not embrace that term, but it was, you know, something that Walt did use when he was describing processes of making flow through the parks. Makes sense. It does make sense. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's also another interesting connection of World's Fair with the Disney Company that I found during my research. Hmm. The first World's Fair was held in London at the Crystal Palace (laughs) in Hyde Park, and it was the brainchild of Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert. You know, I I don't know if some of these terms are kind of ringing a bell here, but yeah, Victorian Albert obviously is is the fine dining restaurant at the Grand Floridian and Crystal Palace is the name given to the character dining restaurant at the Magic Kingdom. So um, that was kind of like from the very first World's Fair and again, having that connection at Disney parks. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't put two and two together on that, but that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and this from the Disney Family Museum, uh, Walt was deeply involved in the Carousel of Progress story. His involvement in the scene of Uncle Charlie sitting in the bathtub was pretty interesting. So, first of all, um, Walt was the one that said that he should be reading a police gazette, not just a regular newspaper, And he even said things like there should be a glass of iced tea on the toilet seat there. And let's see, his toes would be sticking out at the other end of the tub and wiggling. Yeah, let's have his toes wiggling. <laughs> so that, in fact, they said that Walt. The Imagineers like really are going to toes that wiggle. <laughs> right? oh, thanks, thanks, Walt. <laughs> so it's even said that um, Walt himself climbed into the bathtub to demonstrate <laughs> the action. <laughs> so whenever you see that scene now, just think of Walt in the bathtub. Right. right? <laughs> Yikes. Um, another interesting fun fact, or maybe not interesting to the broad audience, but to my little old brain. <laughs> Is that it's a small world boat ride um, popularity caused Walt to reassess the idea of the mode of guest conveyance on the Pirates of the Caribbean right. attraction. Yeah, that was the very first of the big flat bottom boats that right. they started using, and you find them at a few attractions throughout. And exactly. yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean being another key one, right? Right. So um, actually, when you know the World's Fair was going on, uh, that attraction, Pirates of the Caribbean, was soon to be open in New Orleans Square with the, that expansion that took place in Disneyland, and it was originally conceived as a walkthrough wax museum. But after Walt saw how effective this uh, water-based dark ride was, he, he decided, hey, we need to do this in the Pirates of the Caribbean and make that be a boat ride as well. And I think we'll all agree, great decision. Yeah, much better. <laughs> I, a wax, I don't know if the Pirates of the Caribbean would exist anymore if it had been just a wax museum. I know, right? <laughs> Like that would have been that would have gone by the wayside pretty quickly. Right, right, exactly. So, um, and then a little fun fact about the Magic Skyway. Uh, a quote from Henry Ford that just thought it was kind of cute. He said, uh, "I won't say they stayed within the original budget, but they got it done and on time." 
And additionally, he felt that that the more than $40 million automobile merchandise campaign was well worth it. Nice. Right? Very cool. Yeah. As long yeah. As it, I mean, as long as he felt that he got his money's worth when it was all said and done, mm. even if they did go over budget. <laughs> right? That's good. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, another interesting fact about with that attraction is that originally um, Disney was interested in trying to connect with um, General Motors and have not just so much with the World's Fair, but just in the idea of coming up with some kind of um, sponsorship in the parks and uh, working through that. And General Motors actually said, you know, why don't you connect with Ford Motor Company and develop their attraction at the the World's Fair and c- get connected that way. So wait, General Motors and was saying no, go work with Ford. That's well, crazy. I think they I think General Motors already had some ideas for their exhibit. Um, and I think at the prior World's Fair, they had like one of the most outstanding exhibits. So I think they felt like they were already on a roll and yeah, but then you're, you're like, hey, you know, Walt, you're ahead of your time. You're doing great things out there. Why don't you go help our competitor out? That's, that's crazy. I mean, it's I cool. Know. It is but cool. But it's crazy. It is crazy. But, you know, and when you look at sponsorship, I mean, General Motors is still having a commitment oh, yeah. at Epcot. So, I mean, yeah. it's still. That's yeah, right. So, it's still that that connection is still there. So. Another fact is that the song for Carousel of Progress, the one, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, can really be linked with Walt. Um, The Sherman Brothers even said in their book, that's how Walt really saw the world. Mm. You know, they said you could even... Now, here's something else that's a a fun fact. Well, not even a fun fact, just a fun thought. Right. Okay. I know what you're, I know where you're going. All right. All right. I got ahead of myself here with this, but, um, that if you were to substitute the word man in that song with Walt, uh, it really has a deep connection with Walt. So, cause it says, um, instead of man, Walt has a dream and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. I knew I couldn't do it without getting choked (laughs) up. And when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. Right. And I, I, I think that is just so stupendous that that is true. Walt's dreams uh, actually became, when they became a reality, made all of us have happiness and joy. Yeah, I mean, it's the reason why we have this podcast. It's the reason why many of us uh, go to the parks or missing the parks right now. I mean, it's all behind Walt and his dreams. Right. And, uh, exactly. Totally appropriate for sure. Yeah. So, um, Anyways, lastly, as I mentioned earlier on, long before the World Fair, Walt had the idea for Disneyland Hall of Presidents. Um, Roy rectified this when he took on his brother's Disney World project after Walt's death, and he ensured that there was an attraction, attraction encompassing all of the presidents included in the opening day plans for the Magic Kingdom Park. Yeah, the Hall of Presidents. Right. Still exists, still adding presidents. Exactly. So, I mean, I I just thought that was really touching that, you know, that Roy knew the vision that Walt had. um, And after he passed away in 1966, that he made sure to be devoted to his brother's ideas and not just substitute it with another, you know, Lincoln attraction that that was also already at Disneyland, but to actually encompass all of the presidents and wanted to make sure it was going to be there on opening day. Yeah, uh, really cool. I mean, there's so many things Roy did for Walt, uh, you know, knowing that Walt had passed away when, uh, you know, just 
a few years before Walt Disney World right. opened and uh, wanted it to be all about him. And that's why it's Walt Disney World, right. not just Disney World. It's right. named Walt Disney World. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I hope I didn't geek out too much um, and make it too hard of a, I mean, too hard of a listen to as a, you know, history lesson here. It, there will be no quiz. So. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I always have test anxiety as it is. So. <laughs> but anyways, I do hope some of these uh, points about the World's Fair, the New York World's Fair 1964-65 and how Walt had that um, ability to be a part of that and bring that portion of it back to the parks. Hopefully that when you get to see the wonderful world of color coming up on Disney Plus soon that um, you'll either recognize some of these issues or just have, uh, you know, a better time watching that because you you now are in the know. That's right. Yes. And very good job, Michelle. Oh, thank you thank very you. much for uh, compiling all that information. I think we'd all agree. Uh, the 1964, 1965 World's Fair. When you talk about moments in Disney history, I mean, obviously you're going to look at Steamboat Willie in right. 1928. You're going to look at the release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the, you know, the first ever full-length animated film in 1937. Disneyland opening 1955. Walt Disney World opening 1971. Huge moments for Disney. I think this stands up right with them because when you look at these amazing attractions that were developed and the technology that just took leaps and bounds that you can still see in the parks today, uh, it, it, it really was a watershed moment within one within theme parks in general but definitely within the walt disney company for sure exactly and uh i couldn't say that any better i do think that you know it's it's also kind of touching uh sad that a lot of the things that did move from the uh, world's fair into disneyland were not able to actually be appreciated by walt himself um, but definitely his footprint is there and we can really appreciate that still standing today. Yeah, I can agree more. And I think uh, we can wrap this some uh, this subject up with uh, Walt's dream. And yes, that, that there is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. So that's our look back at the 1964-1965 uh, World's Fair and Walt Disney's uh, obviously giant footprint within it and how we still see it today. Right. Michelle, again, great job oh, on working on that. You did a lot of research and <laughs> uh, I find it fascinating. I, I think in, I'm looking forward to seeing that show when it comes out here on Disney Plus coming up soon. By the way, also, you know, the, the Sherman Brothers were big into that. Also coming out uh, this week on uh, the same date, uh, May 22nd. Uh, finally, we're going to get to see the documentary, The Boys, right. which is all about the Sherman Brothers. That's coming out too. I know we'll be glued to that. Exactly. Uh, that it'll, be, it'll be great to to watch both of those. Sure. Uh, I'm looking very much forward to it. It's, yeah. you know, it's always great stuff coming out on Disney+. Plus. Huh? That leads us straight into our Disney stories Ooh. of the week. Because this <laughs> week, we received some amazing news about our favorite musical. <laughs> it's being released sooner than expected. And I could talk about it. But hey, you know, let's let Disney Executive Chairman Bob Iger, who joined Good Morning America... I'll just let him handle it. We have a big announcement from Disney, and I want to bring in Bob Iger, executive chairman of the Walt Disney Company for this. And Bob, good morning. 
Good morning, Michael. How are you? I am. I'm doing well and happy to see you. And we could all use some good news right now. And you've got some for us. So do tell. I agree. Before I do, I want to thank you, Michael, everybody at GMA and at ABC News for the job you've been doing during this incredibly stressful time. You know, Disney is known for telling great stories, stories that touch people's hearts, stories that make people happy. And these days, people need our stories even more. And we've been trying under some challenging circumstances to continue to tell great stories. So The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan doc on ESPN, or the NFL draft are good examples, or the sing-alongs on ABC, or bringing Onward and Frozen 2 to Disney Plus early. And now we've got another great story to bring to the world, actually. Except I don't think I'm the best person to tell about this story. I think its creator and someone I consider to be a true creative genius and a national treasure, Lin-Manuel Miranda, should be the one to break the news. Lin? Good morning. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Hey, Michael. Hi, Bob. How are you? Um, I'm thrilled to be with you this morning to announce that... Hamilton will be streaming on Disney Plus on July 3rd of this year. That's pretty cool. For our July 4th weekend. I just heard a lot of shrieks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of screaming for, for at homes right now. And I got to say, Lynn, Lynn, it's great to see you as well. This, this show, this show has been a phenomenon. It's united the country in so many ways. The story, the music. It's been almost four years since your last performance on Broadway. So what was it like revisiting this show with the original cast? Well, it's it's so um, I can't say enough about what an incredible job Tommy Kale, our director, has done with the movie. Um, he's basically given everyone at home uh, the best seat in the house. And it's it's a thrilling experience. He really threads the needle between these cinematic close ups and widening out and seeing the show uh, from the center aisle of the Richard Rogers Theater. So I can't wait for y'all to see it. See, I told you we were going to get <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda on our show <laughs> right? sometime this year. Uh, that way we I fulfilled that. Uh, no, seriously, what a fantastic I announcement. Know. We were excited when we heard a few months ago that it was coming that disney purchased the rights yes. and it was going to be coming out i think it was originally not supposed to be until like october of 2021 right. no now we're going to get it here in about six seven weeks i know it's so thrilling i know i agree with you i remember when they first announced it that it was going to be you know not this announcement the original announcement about disney you know purchasing the rights to play it and that it was going to be you know shown in 2021 i was like what the heck, people? <laughs> Don't torture together. us like it. that. Yes. <laughs> Bring it forward sooner. So uh, anyways, it, so that is certainly some good news during these times, especially to be able to know that we're going to be, as Lynn said, have the best seat in the house and be able to see the original cast perform this most amazing musical. And the original cast is spectacular. And um, this is just such great news. We are, if you've listened to our show for a long time, you know what big Hamilton fans we are. We've seen it multiple times, listened to the soundtrack. I'll say hundreds. It could be thousands of times. Uh, we just love that show so very much. And we're so excited for it. And we have planned out actually a couple of episodes. We were going to thinking we were doing this next year. However, we've kind of had to push it ahead. Um, Keenan and Rachel from part of our world podcast. Uh, they are also huge fans right. of Hamilton. As a matter of fact, Keenan, who is a school teacher, uh, did 
brought Hamilton into his classroom at some point. Right. So uh, we are going to be doing a couple of episodes, I believe, as we're trying to still work out the details right now, but uh, possibly one on our show, possibly one on their show as well, breaking this down right. because there's a lot that goes into this. If you just think of it's a musical, um, that's one thing. There are a lot of levels to this. There's a lot of levels to all the characters involved with it. There's all the music, the different types of music. Uh, it, there's a lot to it and we are looking forward to breaking it down with them. Right. So a couple funny things is I remember the in the morning when I told you about the announcement. I mean, I, I think it was like barely off my tongue and you already were texting with Keenan to, you know, try to set up some plans for having, you know, a couple shows together with them. So that was exciting and fun to actually see. And uh, I am looking forward to hearing the details of Keenan's experience in his using Hamilton in his school. And I think it's also going to be pretty interesting to see how, um, discipline can you be at whittling down and editing to, <laughs> to not go on for That's why I'm glad 16 it's two, hour two episodes. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to need two episodes at least to kind of break down this show because there is so much depth. I mean, I'll get into it in my tip of the week later, but there is so much to this uh, that I think it's it's really going to be an interesting couple episodes when we talk right. with them about yeah, that. Yeah, and fun, fun. Yeah, it'll be fun and we're excited to uh, see this show. It's such a huge show and, and so many people had struggled to get tickets to right. go see it. Now you're actually going to get to see it in your own home very soon. So uh, moving on, uh, Shanghai Disneyland reopened on Monday. And I don't know right. if you saw the pictures, the videos coming out of it. It looked great. So Great to see this. A little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the results have been mostly good. They've done temperature screening, mandatory face masks. They've limited the capacity. I mean, that the country limited. It's like you can only have, I think it was 30% right. or something along those lines of what your capacity was. They, they actually went down from that, and they're going to try and ramp it up gradually. Uh, they did timed entry, so they, people were spaced as they entered the park. Right. Um, there was uh, you know spaces where they put out for social distancing and everything so uh they kind of i've laid the groundwork for how we may see some openings here in the parks coming up maybe relatively soon exactly you know and as we heard in our interview with lee cockrell you know disney uh is using this as a way to experiment with some processes and develop and and modify them as needed to make the experience throughout the world with their other theme parks to be able to eventually reopen. Yes. And by the way, I meant to mention this earlier, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, thank you for those of you who uh, listened to not one of our episodes, but both <laughs> of our episodes this week. Of course, our regular episode that came out on Sunday, which was our top five Disney lounges, just kind of our fun, wacky little episode. And then our really in-depth uh, discussion with uh, former uh, executive vice president right. of operations at the Walt Disney World Resort, Lee Cockrell. If you haven't listened to that interview yet, uh, go back and check out our bonus episode that came out on Monday because it was really interesting to hear what he had to say. Again, he uh, was at Walt Disney World during 9-11 right. back in 2001 and kind of had to deal with people's fears in reopening. So he kind of has, you know, although this is a much different situation, he kind of has a viewpoint on what it takes to curb people's fears, uh, allow people to safely get back into the parks. Right. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I mean, it also, he kind of gives you the the structural processes that Disney has in place to, you know, make sure they're providing a very safe environment and how they are, you know, 
always looking at and preparing for how to deal with changes that may they may face that are beyond their control. So right. very interesting, gentlemen. We're honored to have, you know, such a, a high level executive uh, from the company actually be able to join us. Um, and he was there, for, like you said, during 9-11. He was, he was in that role for 16 years. So pretty impressive that um, he spent some time with us. Yeah, he had a very optimistic viewpoint on it all, actually. And thought, you know, bottom line, he says Disney's going to do the right thing. When Disney says it's right, uh, you're going it, to, it's right. It's sure. the right time. Exactly. So. Uh, that was good to hear. So uh, finally, speaking of that, uh, one last story. Disney Springs is set to reopen this week. And we learned a little bit more about uh, what it's going to take to, you know, what the action plan they have is. Uh, as a matter of fact, we also learned that they're opening up a few more uh, places coming up uh, the following Yay. week. Yeah. Uh, so this from the Disney Parks blog. Of course, Wednesday, May 20th, they'll be opening up Disney Springs. On May 27th, uh, three Disney-owned and operated stores and venues will reopen as well. That'll be the World of Disney, Deluxe Burger, mobile for mobile ordering, by the way, right. and the Marketplace uh, Co-op will be opening there. So they're starting not only a, a, the, we, what's opening up on May 20th is third-party restaurants right. and shops. Uh, there are actually some Disney shops and restaurants that will be opening up on the 27th. Now, uh, some things you need to know going in, there will be limited parking and there will be only select entryways where you can come in. That's because they're doing uh, temperature screenings, uh, checking everybody to make sure you have face coverings for everybody that's three years of age and older uh, there'll be physical distancing and capacity limits within each of the shops themselves uh, there'll be increased uh, cleaning and high traffic areas hand washing stations will be readily available and hand sanitizer uh, cast members are getting additional training and they're recommending if you can do cashless transactions uh, they suggest if you do have to use cash what you might want to do is go to the either the welcome center or one of the select merchandise locations and just so you only have to use cash one use that cash to buy a Disney gift card. That makes sense. That way it's only the one use right that you're not, you know, going in and getting dollars and right. getting change and, and wherever where you go. So uh, if you want more information, please visit DisneySprings.com slash reopening to get uh, as much information on what shops are actually open, hours, and all the other fine details about this. Exactly. All right. We need to do the jar again because I, I notice I'm saying exactly a lot. But yeah, um, this is really awesome news. You know, we, we knew eventually things would start to, to reopen and we love that it is something that is continuing to progress. Like you said, when the initial announcements of Disney Springs came out was uh, third party shops and now Disney plans of some of their Disney owned uh, shops to also open. It's just really encouraging and, you know, we just need to you know, keep, keep strong a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer, but uh, there is some light at the end of the tunnel, which is, is uh, some good news. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation, or maybe it could be about watching Disney Plus. Who knows? <laughs> However, one thing we definitely always do is start with Michelle. One, because she's just wonderful, <laughs> fantastic, all things great in the world, oh, and she has so the sweet. best... Facts and fun facts, <laughs> but also because she has the very best tip. So let's get right to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you, honey. All right. So um, my tip might be a little bit unusual, but uh, let's let's try it out here. Okay. See how it goes. So, um, you know, during these unique times, 
it's really important to take care of ourselves and do things to alleviate stress. Um, and so one of those techniques is mindfulness. And that's really just, you know, kind of being in the moment. And, you know, according to a lot of research out there that mindfulness, you know, is purposeful paying attention to something. And it really does help train your brain to be uh, less distracted and let huh? I know what? <laughs> improve focus, you know, and just feel better. It minimizes stress. So I want to share this technique with you regarding eating. Oh, I like eating. I know. And, and it's surprising this week's episode doesn't have food or alcohol involved. It's rare. It's yeah, rare. So many episodes recently. So mindful eating means you're choosing food that is pleasing to you, good for you, um, while using all your senses to explore it, to savor it, and really enjoy that that moment with the food. So mindful eating is also learning to be aware of physical hunger and cues that guide you to when to start and stop eating, you know, so being more in tune to what your body's needs are. And here are ways that you can practice mindful eating. Eat in a set place. So like it's it's always better to sit at a table versus on the couch or at your desk if you're working, you know, because again, it's how to be focused on on the activity of eating. Uh, focus about what you're about to eat with a sense of gratitude that it's not just I'm eating because I have to and, and then I got to get on to my next task or whatever. And also concentrate on your act of eating. Chew your food slowly, you know, follow what your mother used to tell you. Um, Really appreciate the texture and the sensations in your mouth, along, obviously along with the, the food and the flavor. So my tip here is practice this mindful eating now. One, it'll help you reduce your stress, but then you're going to be an expert at it the next time you go to a Disney restaurant. And then you can really then step away from the frantic pace of what's going on at the parks and truly appreciate your Disney eating experience. And we all know we, we're very much all looking forward to having that Disney food experience again, whether it's with, you know, just going into a, one of their fast food restaurants or sit down restaurants or any of their other type of festivities. We're all desperately wanting to do that. Practice your mindfulness now so that once you're there, you'll have a much better, not only appreciation, but fun experience with your Disney dining. Ah, it's a, Michelle always has the best tips. <laughs> it's something I should actually take to heart more because I am too much of a quick eater. As much as I enjoy food, I cook right. a lot. Um, I do sometimes tend to just get caught up in it and eat it quickly and maybe not savor it or enjoy the moment right. as much as possible. I try, to, I try to be a little bit more of my wine and savor <laughs> that a little more. But with food, I, I do tend to rush through it at times yeah. and I really should be more mindful of it. So right. that's a really good point, Michelle. Thank you. Well, thank you. And again, practice now so you're ready for Disney. Yes, exactly. I agree with that. That's a good, oh, that's you. really good. Michelle always has the very <laughs> best tips. My tip definitely is secondary to that. That's an important <laughs> tip. My tip's more something, and it is something to be regards to practice, I guess, for something that's coming up in the future. And I, it's going to go back to one our first Disney story of the week, and that's the fact that Hamilton is coming up soon to Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who have not been initiated to Hamilton at all, here's what my tip is going to be. I would suggest that you find the way 
to go listen to the soundtrack before you ever watch the show. Now, there are going to be some spoilers within it. So if you want to avoid spoilers, I get it. That's why maybe a reason why not to listen to it. However, there is so much metering, so much um, really uh, the way they go through these lyrics and the entire show outside of just a very few short lines is within this soundtrack. It's right. all sung, rapped, whatever the case may be. And it can be tough to take in the first time. Right. So uh, your first experience, if you've gone through the soundtrack a little bit, at least a, a time or two, you might pick up on a few things sure. more quickly. I know that we saw, we listened to the soundtrack dozens of times before we ever saw the first show and still loved it. It didn't, right. it didn't uh, change anything at yes. all for us. Yeah, it's one of those stories, you know, technically if you know the story already and, and you know, it is somewhat historical, not completely historically accurate, but, you know. Mostly, his, but yeah, not completely. Right, and so, you know, it's it's kind of a, a story out there that, you know, people would already know. So knowing it really won't totally, you know, wouldn't diminish the experience necessarily. Um, it was funny because I was reading somebody talk about um, Hamilton and more of going to off Broadway view, you know, showings of of which Hamilton. is all we've seen, right? We have not seen them, you know, and the, and what they've said and and actually I I heard this and when I read it, I mean, and when I read it, I was like, yeah, that's true. This this one particular author was saying. Listen to the soundtrack, but do it like in advance, like mm -hmm. wait months in advance. And don't listen to the original cast doing it so close to you going to a production because then your brain is thinking that mm. particular, you know, it's like listening to a, a band play, uh, you know, an album uh, and then going to a concert and there'd be variations mm -hmm. in it and you end up focusing on the variation versus the actual experience. So, but considering this is going to be the original soundcast, that probably won't, I mean, original cast, listening to that soundtrack close to the time might not really be a, a disadvantage. There, I, I, most than anything else, there's just so many words said in such a short amount of time that sometimes it's tough the first viewing of it to take it all in right. without knowing it in advance. So that's why I would suggest, and there's many ways you can find it out there. Of course, it's on many of the streaming services. Uh, you can, of course, purchase the album, which is, of course, a great idea. Right. Uh, but there's also, like, it's on YouTube, whatever. You can find the different songs throughout it, yes. and you can look up the order that they go in because it does t tell a story. Now, again, um, it's going to be some spoilers for it if you don't know the story, but I do believe it will help you uh, kind of be get an idea going in. So, you know, when like, what was that? What did they say? What was that there? Yeah. You know, because it does go by pretty darn quickly and it will help along the lines that coupled with our episodes that we're going to do with right. part of our yes. world podcast to show a little more in depth into the story. Uh, some things we've discovered in reading and seeing the shows as well. Yeah. Things to help you watch it too yeah. and get a better understanding and appreciation. Put all those together and I think you'll have a much better viewing experience when it does eventually come out here on Disney Plus on July 3rd. So that's my tip is just, you know, get tip. started a little early. As far as um, Michelle was talking about uh, the cast recording and, you know, since this is the original cast and that is what's mm -hmm. on the recording, they will sound similar. They may sound a little different, though, because it still is stage versus in a studio right. recording this. So And also, another thing that I noticed, and I think Michelle will agree with this, when we actually saw the show is, yes, we heard the recording, but to actually see them act acted out as opposed right. to just singing into a microphone. There is much more acting involved. Right. Than, I mean, not that there wasn't within the soundtrack, but when you really 
see it on stage, uh, so much more of their presence right. and everything comes into play. So it is a little bit different oh, as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Acting and um, choreography, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, the choreography right. is... Oh, right. we're, we, we're, I can't wait to talk about this show. I'm going to start <laughs> going on it now, but we got to wrap up this episode. So uh, that's it. Uh, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. Or the best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, why don't you go ahead and sign up for the newsletter? We would love it if you do. Uh, as I mentioned in the past, we are not sharing your email with anybody. It's just for us to send you the newsletter, to connect with you in that regards. Uh, and the other thing we really like is uh, ask you to give us a review or rating and even better, tell a friend. Yeah, the easiest way is to just tell a friend or your friends. Uh, you know, hey, you know, in your next Zoom meeting, when you just like, hey, you know, I know this podcast. <laughs> it's the best ever. Hit like 10 to 50 people all at once. You know, it'd be great. So uh, we really appreciate that. But yes, if you have time for a rating and review, those help as well. Or you can also follow us on social media. We tend to be very active out on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if there's anything you ever want to bring up with us, suggest a topic, comment one of our topics, whatever the case may be, you can always email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Right, and we love hearing from you. Very much. We love all of you, and we love hearing from you. Very, very much. So, and so thank you for listening to the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Yeah. I like that.